this week's episode of the show, I speak to Cobain Jones. Cobain Jones is a 20-year-old singer-songwriter who's making waves in the Manchester music scene. Championed by Clint Brown and Tom Hingley, and with an EP produced by James Skelly of The Coral, and it's making big things from this boy. He spoke about his music, his future plans, and how he copes with the music scene alongside his Asperger's. Once again, I'll post links to Cobain in the show notes. Thanks again. Cobain Jones, man. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. That's no problem. Yeah. Just to start off with, if you want to just tell us uh, where you grew up and how you came to get into music and things like that, just fire away with whatever you want. So I come from a little town in Greater Manchester called Staley Bridge, and I've grown up in a village called Carbrook my entire life on the same estate. And I basically got into music when I was like 15, like listening to it, but I didn't really play it or if you get what I mean, like get into like guitar music properly until I was about 16, 17. Mm-hmm. So like all my life, I've, it's surrounded me music, but but then as I got older, I started to understand why and right. how and the imp- and the impact of music and how it could change people's lives. Your mum and dad, are they, are they big music fans themselves? Yeah, they're massive music fans. It's... Like the, the, the eclectic taste they have is, is quite something else, you know what I mean? It's extraordinary. Like, I'm called Cobain after Kurt Cobain, so it's, yeah. so it's a good start. Like, I've got a sister called Frashanti after John Frashanti out of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right. And it's it just carries on that, like, musical, like, love and... I've, oh, there's always been a guitar in the house, but but it's not. We're not like musical prodigies in the house. It's just something that you just mess around on and play a few like cards here and there. But like music, it's always been blaring in the house, and I've always grew up with stuff like Manic Street Preachers, the Manchester scene, Nirvana, mm-hmm. Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's just it's mental. Yeah, which obviously for listening to your music, you can hear the. The Manchester sound in your music, along with kind of a kind of like sixties sound as well. I mean, you can you can tell there's kind of an eclectic taste for what you've been listening to and what's influenced you. Of course. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I read somewhere I read in another interview that you you get Asperger's. Yeah, yeah, Asperger's. Which, yeah, form of autism. Which that it's like a kind of big deal to me, ma. Uh, I've got a boy, 13-year-old, who's got high-functioning autism. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, he gets obsessive about things. He he likes uh, cars and trains. Yeah. So, that that's like, that's all his conversation is to do with that. So, yeah. is that kind of, is that maybe is music a focus for your Asperger's? I'd say so. Um it's it's very it's mad in it. It's just how how the brain works when you have Asperger's. Yeah. It's very strange. Like I have obsessions all the time, like music, obviously, but like the Beatles, as you can see, that is a product of Asperger's. Yeah, my, be- my Beatles wall, like swarms across my entire room. Like I'm, a, I've got an obsession with darts. I like playing darts. I like watching it. I follow mm-hmm. the sport. Um, Man United football. I've 
just got an obsession with it. I've always loved football. It's mm-hmm. it's something that I wish I could do, but I can't because I'm not good enough. But yeah. mu- music, I'd say, but it was never really my first obsession. I'd say like when I was a kid, it were more like films, like little adverts, jingles, right. and all, like like little things that made me click. I never had a certain thing. Harry Potter was probably mm-hmm. one of my first true obsessions. I used to dress up as Harry Potter all the time and glasses. I used to always be obsessed with glasses, wearing them and right. stuff. But my parents used to buy me like cheap glasses and pop the lenses out. <laughs> so I could go to school in glasses. But obviously they taught me that that it, you could be mocked for being yourself. Yeah. In a weird way. Like if I want, if I were just, I, it was, it was very, it was very strange when I was a kid because I was just into so much mad stuff. <laughs> but now yeah. I've grown, I've grown out of it in the best way possible. But I'm so, I'm so fortunate to have Asperger's because it's such an amazing ability to have. That. Yeah. Did you struggle with bullying or anything like that? Yeah, hundred percent. Like yeah. that—that is—that is the worst con of Asperger's, I think. Apart from the sensory overload, I'd say a hundred percent would be the bullying because we're in two thousand and twenty-one, and it still happens now. Mm-hmm. Like not me being bullied as per se, but bullying as a whole. It's like you get picked on from kids who are like seven or eight and it's just it's a very strange thing it's like it's not like what it like in the 80s yeah. when it was like oh this is this new condition he's, he's a weirdo because he's got it it's still like today because the mm. parents have instilled in him that that kid's a weirdo don't go near him because he's autistic or whatever which it should not be the case because there's so many people influential who are artistic and who are yeah, who have made it because of the condition, and we're not weird people. We are a little bit. It just happens. That's who we are. That's how our brains um, wired. But we're geniuses at the end of the day. Yeah, how, exactly. how, our, how it's how it's like instilled like knowledge. It's very like I still remember. I could do a flag quiz like today and get hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's like such exactly. a it's such an amazing ability to have. It's never a disability in my, in my opinion, yeah. unless, unless obviously you got low functioning and it's very severe, but like Asperger's, I believe it's such an ability to use and, and such a great tool. Yeah. The, the one thing that I would say that disappoints me about my son is, see, you try and get, I would love him to be obsessed with the Beatles, but he's, yeah. he's obsessed with Eurovision. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like he knows every Eurovision song he can tell you uh, wow yeah. that, like it's, it means nothing to me you know what I mean I'm like there's so much music you could listen to and he listens to Eurovision but I hooked on it but so so he's 13 yeah it comes I think yeah. I think the music stuff like the Beatles I got into him when I was 15 16 so music it just comes it'll come to him because i wasn't music head until i was 15 16 until i was like in the last stage of the puberty going mm. through high school so it, it will it'll come to him and it'll be like oh i'm into paul mccartney i'm into lennon harrison oh, i would that. love it's, it man i'd love it, it it'll it'll 
it'll happen. I think the, the summer it switches yeah. in your head, like stuff changes, and it's 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 brilliant. I think. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, so, <laughs> obviously, the, I take it your parents then helped you with gigging and things, live gigs. They yeah, hundred percent. Very supportive of you. Yeah, I don't think I'd be where I am if it weren't for them. Mm-hmm. I don't. I just just for the pure support and like. <clears throat> excuse me and like it it's just amazing because obviously i don't have a car i didn't drive when i started doing gigs i still don't know mm-hmm. i can't afford it but um they've, they took me every gig they was they were always side stage watching me supporting me helping me pack away helping me set up we've got that support team and we're like we are a team and we work together to solve problems like was if i was bad on one song we go through that and we and we tackle those little bits. If I come downstairs with a demo and my parents don't like it, they go, we don't like it. And we're, and we're dead honest. We're open with each other. Yeah. There's nothing modicoddling about it. It's just like, if the summit not right, it's not good enough. And I prefer that, I think. Obviously, it hurts because obviously I'm autistic, so sensitivity is a massive thing. Mm-hmm. But then... I have to get over that in a lot of ways because if I want to make it in music, I have to take those criticisms yeah. and, and run with them basically. So I feel my parents are a massive, massive, like mass, a massive aura in my career. And they've, and they've definitely gave me that step up to like kick me up the arse and do what I'm doing now. Yeah. It's just kind of setting you in the right direction. Isn't it? It's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's excellent. So, uh, gigging wise, I take it you're just doing gigs in your local area in about Manchester. Yeah. And then you go to, uh, you played Kendall Collin when you were 18. Yeah. It's, so, is that kind of the, the step up, really? It's, a sto- it's the story of dreams, I think. I think I still can't comprehend it today. It's still a thing. Like with friends, it's like we get it. You've played Candle Calling, ooh, like, but but really, people who were in that position would be like, "What has just happened?" So, I was gigging in Staley Bridge, and no, it was it was before I gigged. Actually, it was I released a demo track list, and it's still on Spotify. Yeah, I let him. I asked Tim Burgess to listen to it on Twitter, and he got back to me about. 12 hours later right. asking me to play Kendall so it was such a like massive like explosion yeah of just complete like what WTF you know what I mean it's, it was so like I couldn't believe it I never gigged in my life like I don't have a set list the only song I wrote at this point is that song so I'm like I'm not doing Wonderwall in my set I'm not doing, you know what I mean? I'm not doing cheesy numbers in my set. So I was like, we've got, I've got to get to work writing and I've got to sort myself out, basically. So then I started gigging in the March. The tune released in November 2018. Started gigging mm-hmm. in the March. And then I got ready for Kendall, gig by gig by gig. I, as, by that time, I played Band on the Wall in Manchester where Joy Division has played... I've played a couple of little little pubs and clubs in Manchester and then got to Kendall mm-hmm. backstage with Tim Burgess, one of the maddest moments of my life because I'm a Charlotte's fan. Yeah. Like, 
a um, charlatan's jumper, <laughs> and um, it was it was it was brilliant. I'd say that moment, stepping on that stage, it was pacing it down. The crowd was there, all packed, and it was so like it was amazing. It was a nice feeling because everyone was supportive, clapping, cheering. And I thought there'd be no people in that tent or in that little cabin. Mm-hmm. But they were, and it was such an amazing experience. How did you find that with your kind of, like the sensory aspect there? How did you find that? It doesn't bother me. I, I, It's more when people are speaking. I right. Think with sensory, it's if like a motorbike drives really fast past me. Mm-hmm. And all that, you know what I mean? It's the little things. But like when, let's say, I'm in a room, someone asks me to get something, and then someone goes, Oh, can you get me good? Can you get me? Can you get me? It's like my head just goes, right. and I can't handle it. I still can't. I'm 20 year old, I'm an adult, and I still can't. I don't freak out. I don't have tantrums or anything. You can no. tell I can't hack it. You can tell it, it affects me, but I don't, I don't yeah. let it, I don't let it out. I don't let it out. Yeah, it's very, it's not visible at all, but it's, but gigging, it's, it's like I'm not autistic. It's a very strange thing. It's, it's like, yeah, I've been set, set free from this. Yeah, kind of like, you see that with so many things, like, uh, trying to think of a better example, but like Gareth Gates with his stutter. But like then Tourette's. You, yeah, Tourette's, for like example. That. And it's just yeah. kind of, it's like, like a distraction in it and kind of, Oh, takes you a different world. Definitely, because people with Tourette's, they played, let's, there was a kid on a programme a couple of years ago, he played the drums, mm-hmm. and he didn't tick once when he was playing the drums, and I, it was so, like, mesmerising to watch, and I was yeah. so mind-blown, because it's like, his kid who ticks every day, he's probably getting bullied because of his condition, and he's playing the drums, something he loves, and it's like he's not that he's not got that condition and it's such a mad psychological uh, barrier to get past. Yeah. And he's actually done that and it's, and it's praising really. That's off to him. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, after the, the reason how I came to find out about you actually was I do another podcast uh, about the, the view the band of you, yeah. uh, and I had on it Ryan Jarvis and mm-hmm. Drew Palmer, and I was speaking to them. I, I'd asked them who they were listening to, and it was Drew mentioned your name. He said you were absolutely smashing it, uh, yeah. and that was that was a couple of months ago. I had no plans in getting you on that podcast because it was today with the view, but after starting this podcast. I just I happened to be speaking to your manager about Jamie Pollock and I didn't realise it was the same manager. So I says, well, just, yeah. I says, while, while you're there, I says, who else have you got? And he mentioned you. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, aye, I'll, I'll take Cobain as well. So, I mean, that, it was down to like Ryan and Drew that I, I kind of came to know you and I'd been listening to you before that. So, no. on Spotify, which leads me to the, your EP that's, I take it it's I take it the songs that you're releasing are gonna form the EP. Yes. Is that correct? So yeah. we've got uh, Hooked, Wonder and She She Plays. Yeah. So yeah, so talk us through that because 
the production that it's it's really good, man. It's really it sounds really polished. Yes, that's James Skelly for you. He's, yeah. he's a he's a genius. Like to I'm gonna like answer like the last thing you said like with Drew and Ryan. Mm-hmm. Like I supported Ryan in October 2019. Right. And Drew was Drew's his bass player and the both sound lads because mm-hmm. I remember Drew, Drew was on tour toured with Kyle. Yeah. It was some. It was. It was. It's mad. Like how time just completely goes so fast because i remember that day but yeah they're both sound lads but james skelly what a legend like he 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 took them tunes to a different level like how the sound how the polish how he polished them him and chris taylor at par street Mm -hmm. it was just such a good dream team and made the tunes come to life and i was so like mind blown because I've never been in a studio before so yeah. when I heard my songs through a desk through speakers and I was just like this this is real this is actually like I've worked for this to get to this point I've listened to the Blossoms I've listened to these these legendary bands who've recorded at Palmer Street and it's like yeah. why am I here why, why does a 19 year old 20 year old from a council estate have any right to be in a in such a studio but then you look at it in a in a perspective like you've grafted your ass for this you've actually gone out there and truly made something of yourself mm-hmm. at such a young age you deserve this you need to like keep this in your locker for the rest of your life because it'll be yeah. something you'll remember yeah but because well, i mean when you look at that and you see like the blossoms and the choral and bands like that. I mean, they came for the same upbringing as yourself. So yeah. I think it's natural to kind of have a bit of, I don't know if you would call it like imposter syndrome. It's because <laughs> it's something that you've, if you've never done it, you do think, oh, maybe I shouldn't be here. But no, it's... Yeah. I mean, what James has done, obviously I'm saying what he's done. I've, I've, I hadn't heard the demos or anything, but... The sound on those three songs is really, really good, really professional. Um, yeah. You must be mega proud of it. Oh, yeah. I, like the demos, listening to them back, I don't like them. Like from my perspective, I'm proud of what I made. I'm proud of what I got out of those. Mm-hmm. But now listening to those tunes, I just don't, I just can't see the the quality difference is ridiculous, first of all. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm proud of making them in my bedroom, but then, like, my vocals weren't as great. Like, the drums weren't as brilliantly, like, mixed or whatever. But that's, like, picky fine details. But, like, I'm so happy with whatever what I've achieved in this short space of time and whatever happens next year, this year, COVID-dependent, who knows mm-hmm. when this is ever going to end. Hopefully, we're all going to be out there having a good time and just basking in the new live music that scene that's um, been apparent for the past nine months. Yeah, I, f- I think it has, it has been mega apparent, hasn't it? Definitely. All, everything that I listen to is just bands, guys with guitars and things like that. It's just, there's, there's so much stuff ready to go once I saw kind of finishes. Uh, what sort of, have you been listening to anything? that you could recommend for anybody? 
I'd say Andrew Cushing comes to my mind, really. Like, the first Spoke about all the time. Definitely, because he's, he's smashing it, obviously, with the Noel Gallagher stuff, but I knew him before. I knew of his music before he was produced by Noel and how he's getting about. Like, he's going on the same journey as me in a weird way, mm-hmm. but he's a lot further ahead. But his journey's quite similar to mine. He's come from nothing. He's doing what he wants to do. He's gone out with an acoustic and then now he's got a band. It's such a mad paradox. Someone's Geordie, I'm he's Geordie, I'm Mank, but we're from the same type of setting. Yeah. And that's I think that's important for the industry at the moment because obviously you had your oasis in the nineties. And then in the two thousands you had like the coral. Yeah. But now obviously the twenty twenties, twenty tens, twenty twenties, you need people like me and Andrew Cushing who have come from nothing, who have who have worked our asses off to get to where we've we've got. And I feel that's so important because obviously I don't want to go on a rant like, oh, it's owned like it's middle class nepotism now. Blah, 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 no, blah, no, blah. Because that because that because that's not me and I'm I don't believe and I'm not an entitled person and I'm not one of those who are like, oh, da, 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 da. but I just feel that that raw talent that comes from areas like where we come from has to be looked at it with a lot more respect and a lot more like, it's not even no politics involved. It's just, it just, we just need to be looked at a lot more because there's a lot more talent that comes from these yeah. parts than you, you think really than in a city like inner city posh areas so that's definitely what why Andrew Cushing's like up there at the moment yeah yeah that's great right you need to be representing as you say definitely so you touched on that actually Andrew's got a putting a band together so what about yourself Have uh, yeah you any any plans for for that for getting a band yeah, I've already got one. It's right. it's in the works. We're we're waiting to tour. We're waiting to get out there and do gigs, as everyone is. But we we've started. We've recorded this feeling big in twenty twenty one. We've done that, which can't wait for the vinyl because it look, it's in a nice bright yellow. I can't wait to get that. Dead right. curious George, man in the yellow hat. But. Yeah, it's. It, I'm just so excited to go out there and just play with a band because it's always been, oh, Cobain with the acoustic, he's great with the acoustic, but imagine him with a band, how mm-hmm. great it would be. A lot of time to rehearse and to hone our craft and to get a lot better. Yeah, so with the, the band, uh... How do you see that going with like writing and stuff like that? Would it still be uh, predominantly you? Would it still be Kobe and Jones with a band, or would it be all of these together? It's it's just me. Yeah, it's it, so just it's, a... yeah, it's just me. It's just they're they're in a they're a backing band. Mm-hmm. So I will I'd be in the studio. I'd be the songwriter. If I need the drummer to come in the studio, if I need the bass player, or the guitarist to come in the studio, I will letting them come but as a creative process as an actual sitting in my room writing a song putting it together it's me it's which i like because my condition i like the the control and it's great it's fine but 
it's it's something that I like to keep because I after I write these songs, these are my tunes. You know what I mean? I'm I'm very. Why should I give it up so soon? Because I've not I've not had a yeah. band, so I've got these songs that are that are like good for al- an album. Or, mm-hmm. So I just feel them songs are brilliant. But yeah, the backing band I've known I've known the guitarist since I went to college. The drummer lives near me and the bass player, they were in a band together at one point. So we gel really well and I'm really happy of how it's turned out. Yeah. That's good, man. That's really good. Uh, so just obviously the, the, the podcast is called Time for Heroes. Yeah. So the last bit it is kind of you need to pick four heroes to come to a dinner party. They can be dead or alive. Uh, mm. It's up to you. What walks your life they come to or whatever. So just let us know who you would bring to the dinner party. And at the end as well, you need to tell us what you're cooking them. So <laughs> That's hard uh, because it depends. I say, I say the same answers a lot because if I was going to cook something, it's like, Will I invite Morris here? I know I can't have a beef dinner. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it, it's it's difficult. So what I'd say, dead or alive, I'd go James Dean Bradfield out of the Manic Street Preachers, 100%. John Lennon, it's obvious. Could be well. Yeah. Um, I'd say Ian Brown. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Obviously, whatever's gone on on Twitter... I'm I'm not fussed. It doesn't affect me. I'm not I'm not one of those who are like I love Ian Brown, but he needs to chill out. I yeah. just don't have an opinion on it because I just I just don't have an opinion on it. Well, I think as well with that as kind of we're all going a bit mental during this yeah. kind of so it's normal. When COVID's over, it'll yeah. just it, nothing. It, that will be brushed under the carpet. That the what he said as. I'm. I'm. My opinion might be it might be outrageous what he said, but then you've got to look at it as like we're all feeling it and we're all like under some sort of like like it's crazy. It's just yeah. crazy times. It's just never happened before. So my fourth person, I'd bring. Who would I take to a dinner party? I'd think. I'd say. I'd have to say George Harrison because he's my favorite Beatle. I think, yeah, so George Harrison, John Lennon, James Dean, Bradfield, and Ian Brown. Cool. I think that would be some, uh, some night with you four. Yeah. And you'll get some tally on. I'm hard to, I'm, it's hard to think what I'd cook him because Ian Brown's a vegan. <laughs> so um, I'd, I'd probably do like a curry, like a vegan-style, like... Indian Thai curry type thing could be no Thai green curry that well, probably like a that vegan probably style. Suit, that probably suit George as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think I think he were I think he were vegetarian. I think John was actually as well. Yeah, I think I think he were veg, vegetarian at the end of his life. I'm not too sure because I didn't know him, but like, <laughs> but yeah. So I'd, I'd probably cater to any of any of their needs so i probably would do like a tiger in curry but obviously vegan yeah i think i'll need to get off the the musical guest because i think everybody that i have on today with music will pick john lennon because i would pick john oh, yeah. lennon 100%. Uh, 
Jamie that was voting before he had John Lennon. That, that's what I meant to say in the last one. It, he, John Lennon is like my hero, and I always say to people, because eh, I'm, I'm like double the age of you, I was uh, I worked at it that I was on the planet for a hundred days with John Lennon before he died. Wow. So like I always say to folk that was like the best hundred days of my life. Mm, yeah. <laughs> eh. <laughs> Forget everything else. Forget yeah. child built child born. I was I was hundred days with John Lennon. Yeah. So uh so I I reckon that would be a right good party with A4. I could yeah. say that with George Harrison, I think. I could say I were alive with George Harrison, like because mm-hmm. he died in 2001, I think. So I was born in 2001. So I think we were about eight months. Right. So that was a that was probably mm-hmm. a good time to be. That's, you'll, you'll be away doing that tonight, checking out exactly how many days it was. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like 225 or something ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually surprised you never had any footballers, any Man United players. I'd, I'd say because it was music related, mm. but like if I was to have footballers, oh, who would I have a footballer? I'd have King Eric, Eric Cantona. Mm-hmm. I would probably have ooh, Dead or Alive. It's, it's hard because United's so like rich, full of yeah. Beckham, probably. I'm not going to say all number sevens, by the way. So I'll go Beckham Cantona, George Best, because always have, I always have like a like an adoration for George Best. Um, and what who else would I go for? I'd say I'll say Ollie, I'd say Solskjaer. Right. So that's you. You're in two dinner parties. You're in one with the musicians yeah. and one with the <laughs> footballers. Just, get, uh, just Ian Brown would be buzzing because he's a United fan. So yeah, well, That's just good. actually before we go, just see on the the artwork for your your singles because yeah. like just looking at the artwork, I thought you were a United fan just for the the red artwork. Yeah, I kind of thought that that's what that was a nod to, but just as well touching back on Ryan, hey Ryan Jarvis because. A lot of his artworks the same, the white and the the white and red. Yeah. I didn't know if that was a, anything like the same artist that had done that or anything like that. No. No, it was um my sister, she did all the artwork. Me and my parents come up with the idea, but mm-hmm. she like put it onto um digital. Right. Um I never I, the funny thing is, I never wanted football to become a part of my music. I still don't. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm supporting someone at a decent sized venue, I won't play in a United shirt. No. Or something like that. I wouldn't make it like because when Oasis got big, they made their they made their stuff like City, like we're City fans, we're main road, all this, which is completely fine. I don't have any qualms against that because Bonehead were United fan. Yeah. But, but like that... but but football, I'd 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 never Put it as like, I'd never want to push my United fanness on people because it, at the moment, probably if I'm massive. Yeah, I think we'll end it there, man. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch about anything, you can contact me on Instagram at Time for Heroes podcast 
or on Twitter at Time for Heroes P1, or you can drop me an email at Time for Heroes Pod at gmail.com. You can find the podcast in all the usual places Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and many more. Please leave a review wherever you can and share it with others, but more importantly, enjoy the show. i uh-huh.